Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Alex Alexandrov, CEO of Velas AG and Current Payments. How are you, Alex? I'm great. Thank you for having me. No problem. Tell us a bit about artificial intelligence, intuition for artificial intelligence. What's the difference? Well, uh, the main difference with artificial intelligence is that it need, needs a lot of data and deep learning this data to understand the decisions that it's making. So it will be constantly reliant on the information that it's gathered up. Um, and so it, it requires a lot of storage. The centralization system is actually does that job better. Centralized system would actually do a better job when it comes to artificial intelligence than the decentralized system because um, uh, you want higher performance and faster access read speed for the data, um, for it to process it. Artificial intuition um, requires far less data. It usually, it works on uh, current state analysis versus previous state and the predictive state. So the logic goes like, if I've done this before, I can do it again, I don't need to remember it. Um, So it just kind of optimizes neural network the moment it knows that it's done something correctly and assesses that it's done it correctly. It just knows they can do it again, so it just, there's no data set needs to be remembered. And every time it doesn't do it right, it just keeps trying things until it does, then it records that current state of neural networks. Essentially, it just creates it as an intuitive task for itself for the future. And so that does require a lot of, a lot of um, computation power. It does require, but it doesn't require a lot of data to store this. So therefore, you come up with a really cool system that's um, uh, low impact on, on the uh, resources and... Uh, quite great for bias level optimization of things versus like intuition uh, versus sorry, intelligence where it's more of a decision making on vast amount of comprehensive data, right? Yeah. So in a way it's a bit like Pavlov's dog that when the bell rings it knows what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing as uh, once you learn how to breathe, yeah. your brain just continues on breathing, uh, blinking eyes, uh, you know, just some sort of basic functions. You're not really spending a lot of bandwidth on that in, you know, in your daily activities. Uh, versus like uh, avoid bricks falling on your head as you know <laughs> yeah. life depends on it and you try to really think about your pathway to avoid construction yards and all the things like that um, so it, it, so they have, each have its own purpose um, and so we're building a system that I think it, original intuition applies for better because in a decentralized system uh, you can't like I said decentralized artificial intelligence um, in a true way because it will just slow it down and make it pretty much unusable in the current technology that's available. Yeah. Maybe in the future when we have like quantum communication between the storage sets and <laughs> then maybe possibly that will work, but we're like not close to that right now at all. Um, so in the current state of the way things are and how internet works and the bandwidth and the, and, and the, uh, the, the lag between uh, the latency, Artificial intuition is the only way to eliminate humans from the equation of a consensus on the blockchain, which I think is the 4.0 blockchain task, which we're set out to do. And also, I guess, because it knows uh, what you've done in the past, it's more secure that it knows that you didn't fall down for it is you and nobody else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, also, it also works as an immune system for the network itself. So we can get away with certain things like we don't need to charge fees for transactions for coin itself. Yeah. Uh, so once we get to the beta version, we're going to eliminate all fees because fees are actually exist in blockchains um, to prevent spamming and prevent some malicious behavior to make it expensive for an attacker to 
carry out some malicious activity. Yeah. But uh, that's because you have a system and a traditional blockchains are written as a, as a single piece when they were being created and then it's sort of being executed by that code going forward. So if you made a mistake, you had to fork it or do a soft patch and convince the whole network to accept it. In this system, um, it starts to make its own decisions and logic. So it sees something that is deliberately attacking it and analyzes it, that it slows down the network and has a negative effect. It triangulates it and shuts it off, right? So you don't need to basically use fees to protect the network anymore. And that's a huge step forward for evolution of cryptocurrency. Yeah, and also it makes sure that uh, bots can't uh, get involved and take over your network or whatever. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about uh, the benefits of blockchain and your... Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Um, so the benefit of using them together, like I said, is giving the logic decision to the blockchain to kind of optimize itself as it needs to. So as activities happen on the network, if somebody is um, prioritizing right now SANS over smart contracts or containers, the network sees that and says, okay, this is what it's required of me right now mostly. So why don't I tune up uh, these parameters and these parameters to make that flow easier for everybody on the network? Then all of a sudden, a change occurs, and now people want to use the decentralized exchange more. So they're swapping containers, and it's taking a load on the network. It starts to optimize the nodes on the network to facilitate that more as a priority. So essentially, you don't have to guess how the world's going to work in the future in the ecosystem when the ecosystem itself can constantly perceive and predict and be, um, well, intuitive to what is going on in the network and adjust itself to it. So I guess that means it saves so, people a time of money. It will save a ton of money. It makes the consensus a lot cheaper. It reduces the development cost tremendously, uh, you know, because, you know, all the traditional blockchains, people are arguing over size of the block for Bitcoin right now, they're like, oh, the Bitcoin block is one megabyte, it should be two megabytes, it should be 32, it should be a gigabyte, like all, all these discussions, right? Um, yeah. And everybody has a good point and a bad point to it. Well, what if you, you know, think of it differently and say, why not have artificial intuition decide what size the block should be based on what is needed right now? Yeah. Because the problem with traditional Bitcoin, with Bitcoin, for example, once you make it 32 megabytes or whatever, you might be hammering 32 megabytes Right. Yeah. Every time a block's created, so the block is going to get massive. Um, so, you know, this this arguments on both sides if this is good or bad. But if you have an AI that can protect from spamming and allow when it's actually needed, then that's the perfect balance. So in a way, you, you can do like be like kind of like hyperscale where you can scale up and down when when needed, when required needed. Exactly. It is. It's like a slinky blockchain, essentially. Yeah. So yeah. I think it can expand and contract and band around certain things and kind of adapt to new environments constantly. Because I can imagine if, if you're in certain like countries or certain places that use a lot of blockchain, you're going to use more bandwidth and, and, and more data. Whereas somewhere that is just getting into it won't use as much. So you can say, okay, hold on, you're not using much. Therefore, the system decides how much decides that you're going to be using that less and it's cheaper in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and a lot more and a lot more to it. This is just a surface level, right? I mean, there's, yeah. there's so much more depth of what it allows you to do by having it make decisions versus people. Because you know, it will it will actually get smarter with its decisions over time. Yeah. So even if in the beginning it just barely does it and it's kind of like it just works, 
that's already impressive and it's amazing. And then it just keeps getting, it will keep getting better and better and better. Um, and then the computation that's offered to the network isn't going to be wasted like SHA-256 or Script or X11 just worming up the planet or burning electricity. Yeah. But it's actually going to be training the neural network of the specimens of these artificial intuition, uh, which will get better and better neural networks, which can then be exported and used in other projects around the world. So it basically becomes like a lab for the whole world, which will harvest and you know perfect uh, yeah. artificial intuition neural networks for whatever humanity might need for your smart smart home, for your uh, smart car, for your for your phone, like well, you know for navigating satellites, whatever you want, man. Like you you basically can use that um, for all kinds of complex tasks in the future at a relatively low cost or no cost at all, where right now you make it yourself and spend enormous amount of computation power to train such things and such complex systems, right? So only Google, Microsoft, and big companies really spend that kind of money, where now the whole humanity groups together and does it for each other, and then we can all benefit from it in an open way. Yeah, I guess, because the more people are using it, the cheaper the cost becomes kind of scale. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, now tell me a bit about the various innovations, i.e. your containers. Right. Yeah, so containers uh, is a big piece of the network that's going to be rolled out next, um, and that is essentially allows allows the deposit of other coins, such as Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, EOS, yeah. whatever, ERC-20s, to be deposited into Velas blockchain. So what Velas blockchain does is that when you click to receive, you can pick Velas wallet to receive off, but you can also pick a container and search for currently supported coins, which you're gonna launch one by one. Um, you're gonna be able to generate like a Bitcoin address, and then it will be a Bitcoin address, like a proper Bitcoin address inside your Velas wallet. The trick is here is that we're using the seed mutated, uh, that was created, sorry, for your wallet when you created your Velas wallet to then pre-mutate the algorithm for Bitcoin and create its seed based on your seed. So it's like, why that's important if you then somehow did something you fall on your computer and you lost your Velas wallet and you wrote down your 12-word seed, you populated it on a new wallet. Not only do you restore your Velas wallet, you also restore all the balances of all the containers inside of the Velas from other coins that are now sitting there. That's step one. And step two, now you can send these coins on our chain off-chain to its native chain. So it's basically, it's, a, it's like a lightning solution that is not relied on relying on some trust factor, but you can offer real scalability to all these other projects projects um, and blockchains on another blockchain that's also open and, and protected and secure, just like any other blockchain versus a building lightning solution for each one individually and creating all these like layer two protocols um, that require trust and get away further and further away from what blockchains are supposed to be trust whites. Um, so in this case, um, we allow people to basically transact in all cryptocurrency on our system, which by you know allows us to then build the decentralized exchange inside the wallets. So you can not no fees whatsoever trade containers with each other essentially. Yeah. And then you can also stand these containers in private mode and and and, and uh, open mode, which means you can make Bitcoin Monero or any coin Monero all of a sudden because once you put it on the off-chain on the Bellas chain and send to somebody, you can send it privately or publicly. And then also you can make smart contracts work on coins like Litecoin, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you can also make multi-sig work on coins like Ethereum uh, without a smart contract because now you're in your ecosystem that basically containerizes it and it becomes a whole new thing. And it, so in my view, by using container system, it 
really allowed us to become what I call the blockchain browser, uh, which will allow us to have all coins come and live in the ecosystem, be traded, be exchanged, be bought and sold for inside the wallet. And the centralized marketplace inside the wallet would allow merchants to buy and sell goods and services, not only for Velas, but for the containerized version of any coin they want inside the Velas ecosystem, which makes us kind of a, you know, like a universal blockchain, um, what do you call it, like browser essentially, yeah. where all, everything lives together in one ecosystem instead of just having to run to one and the other, run all these master nodes, run all these um, wallets, sorry, uh, and the full nodes. For exchanges and custody solutions, they can just install Velas wallet in the custody of a bank or exchange and not have to run like a hundred different coins and have staff maintain them, make sure they're the right fork and make sure that, you know, like uh, they're secure, secured correctly and in each virtual virtual machine and all this expensive stuff that you got to do in the back end, which people don't really appreciate unless they're service operator. Yeah. With Velas Wallet, you won't have to do any of this. You just install one wallet, and you can just accept whatever coins you want and store them safely, right? Yeah, because so many so ACOs, so, so, so many ACOs would launch each, each each day and week. It's hard to keep keep yeah. a control of all of them. Right. So if you just had one wallet like Velas, and you can accept all coins that are being created, and we just keep adding them as a protocol layer to it, and then uh, you can then you can interact with them. So what will happen in the future if you have a Velas wallet? Velas wallet. Yeah. It have any coin value in it. Doesn't matter what coin. It could be like Dogecoin, some Litecoin, a little bit of Velas. You can buy anything from any merchant on the planet that accepts any cryptocurrency. So if yeah. somebody, let's say, you have no Bitcoin in your wallet, but you have some value, right? So like in some like overall value, say you have it's like a hundred bucks, and you and you want to pay for your dinner at sixty bucks, and this storefront accepts Bitcoin only, but you don't have Bitcoin. So when you start to pay, your Velas wallet in the future will. Just convert all those coins instantly to their appropriate coin and exit it as what it needs to be out to the merchant wants to accept, unifying all cryptocurrency into one. So giving coins that are never going to be accepted by merchants because not every coin is ever going to be accepted by merchants. It's just reality people need to accept. There's 2,000 coins. Not all of them are going to become payments coins. It's not going to happen. But as long as they have value in the community, they can live in the Velas ecosystem and be instant converted to pay for things when you need and that doesn't exist right now and that's what you know gonna happen with Velas. so it's like if you're living in a country say you work in africa and you get paid in a lot of currency and you want to spend it abroad you can convert that into like dollars whatever it is so very similar idea exactly yeah, yeah. but this is all happening in a decentralized system yeah in an open source wallet fully trustless system that is ran by peers and people not institutions so yeah. i mean this is really quite special, you know, in that sense. Because yeah, in a way, because the moment you get institutional and banks involved, they want to try and control how it works. And, yeah, and the idea of uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is that there's no bank involvement as such. Yeah. All right, that's good. Now tell me a bit more about the current blockchain challenges. Well, the biggest blockchain challenges right now is the... Uh, the centralization that's ha taken place amongst most blockchains. So, you know, Bitcoin has mining pools that are becoming predominantly corporate uh, miners that are coming in in huge investments that they're making. So institutional in some ways that have, you know, no real network interest at heart, but just profitability. Mm -hmm. And they also pool together in big, big mining pools, which allows them to take big control of networks. So if somebody wants to suggest an update to the network, of increasing the block size even like you know you have to convince these miners now that might not want to do it because 
if you do that, they lose money because less fees is being paid and they're not necessarily going to be interested in that. Yeah. So now it's not so much about the users and community. It's more so about profits. And we're kind of the whole point was to get away from that. So we're back to an issue that we're trying to solve. Um, Ethereum is happening the same thing, like the fees on the Ethereum, you know, skyrocketing at times. Uh, we have issues with scalability because, you know, just Tether USD right now has issued a lot of, I think, a few billion dollars worth of Tethers on Ethereum. And it's starting to, like, really bottleneck the network quite yeah. a bit. So the fees are going up. Um, and if you consider all the blockchain projects that are started on Ethereum that are failed, even if just 2% of them didn't fail, there'd be no more Ethereum even usable right now, like essentially from the fee standpoint. Um, so they really have a problem with scalability that, is, that they're facing right now. EOS addresses a lot of these problems scalability-wise, but their governance model and their, you know, like the no delegated proof-of-stake system uh, led to huge centralization in, in China, particularly, where people just bought master nodes, um, and, not master nodes, but, you know, delegated nodes. Yeah. Uh, and they have kind of centralized it again, um, even though it's supposed to be 21 and that it's going to prevent that from happening, it didn't. Um, so we kind of leading to the same sort of issues because these are the decision makers on the blockchain. And so far, all blockchains have one critical failure and it's governance. Yeah, Governance is relying still on people, which is to me the biggest point of failure in any system. If you want to build a system that's reliant on people, you're going to have problems. I mean, I love humanity. I'm human. We all yeah. are. But at the same time, like, you know, we got to understand our limitations. Like, you can never have a perfect governor, government when, when the person's running it. Like, you, you cannot have a perfect capitalism with the person in charge because they'll become, I will abuse their power. And we see that from history. Um, any, any kind of system that sounds utopian, when you put people in charge of it, isn't going to work. <laughs> we already yeah. know this. You know, um, we have done many years of trying these things, not just in blockchain, but in society. And so, to me, the biggest things to eliminate and the biggest challenge is this. So, that's why we decided to introduce artificial intuition. It is unbiased. It is un, you know, it, it's it's not it's not going to be swaying to any direction based on anything you're going to try to do to it. Um, it's just going to make decisions that are best for the network at any given time, and it's just simple and elegant, and it's cheap because it doesn't sleep, doesn't need to be fed. Yeah. You don't need to interest it. You don't have to change them every year. You don't have to elect anybody. Let it do its job and let it learn. So. And I guess the long term, it also knows when the right time is to fork is. And it's not doing it for money or for profit. It's doing it when it has to be done. Exactly. Yeah. So um, hopefully we don't need to fork yeah. with the updates and stuff. We, we, we currently have a four scheduled rollout uh, as we deploy these things on a network. So the AI is going to be released slowly. Right now it's in a training stage. So right now, since we've done these things in a laboratory and like, you know, in our simulations, works fine. Reality doesn't work like that most of the time. Yeah. Once you go to production, you start to face a lot of weird things. So knowing that, we went to production and alpha stage right now, pre-alpha, uh, just to bootstrap all the nodes to build stability on the network. So block producers are already starting to pop up and people are setting up astronauts and all these things. And uh, we start seeing transactions and that is already being fed and being kind of analyzed. And we're watching these decisions but it's not connected to the blockchain yet. Just to analyze what decisions are going to make based on the current data sets. And then in alpha, we're going to release it onto the network and it's going to start doing it under full control of us to make sure that it's still, if it makes any mistakes, we can roll back and do some, do some damage control just in case, which 
I don't think it's going to be the problem based on what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I'm actually quite happy with what's going on. So I think it's surprisingly good. But we just took the really, really careful approach because, A, no one's ever done this before. Yeah. Nobody's, there's no roadmap on how to do this at all. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, B, it's like uh, we just want to make sure that it, nothing fails for our users because we want people to build trust and interest and community around the stuff, right? So the less damage we can cause, even – uh, you know, uh, consequential, not you know, not deliberate. Uh, we still don't want to minimize it, so we, we took the careful approach. We're going to roll out in four stages over the next year. Uh, if there's any delays, might be a little bit longer, but our current plan, and we're on track for it to do it in the full year. So by next, by next September, uh, September 2020, we should have uh, enterprise network up and running. Uh, and at that point, back to my original point. I don't foresee why we need to fork anything. Yeah, but you know, you never know. So uh, next year is when you plan to launch it to the public officially. Oh, it's oh no, it's already public. Yeah, and it's already being traded. Um, so you know, essentially, we can have people roll up and sign up uh, and start you know trading coins, open up their wallets, um, uh, you know, stake if they wanted to. So it's all available now. It's traded on vw.com it's traded on exx.com yeah and it's traded it's going to be on idax uh we're working with a few other exchanges but those are the one xmo yeah it's going to be up right now and uh we have lots more coming out this we just we've literally been listed for one week so far yeah so in first week we've got four exchanges which is quite impressive considering you know we're they're inviting us we're yeah. not chasing them which is kind of that's a good uh testament to uh the interest in the community that we're getting so we're quite excited and uh, have you got an app yet? Um, the mobile app is the last thing on our roadmap because the desktop wallets were one of the challenging things to do from security point of view. Yeah. And then we did a web wallet. Uh, it was a decision between web wallet and mobile wallet. We decided to do web. Um, so that took a little time. So that's online now on dollars.com. And then we had to produce the uh, nodes and block explorer, which we decided to host ourselves as well to kind of bring all these important pieces to the ecosystem at the beginning, yeah. uh, right from us. And then now we're going to be doing um, mobile wallet, which I hope to have mid-October to end of October released to the public. And, yeah. then, uh, and then after that, we're going to be deploying containers. That sounds very good. And uh, uh, thanks so much for that, Alex. And uh, have a great day. And talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, thanks Thank for having me. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye.